We are here together to spend time in the reading of the word. Um, this is the reading rant. We're going to read for about 20 to 30 minutes, and then I'll reflect for another 20 to 30 minutes. That's why I call it a rant, because I do not have anything prepared, nothing really put together. I'm just going to just reflect on uh, what the Lord is saying in our time together as we read the word. It is important and it's critical. And I pray that each and every one of you guys who are with me here endeavor to do this, that we read the word um, from a meditational perspective, from a meditational posture, from a meditational vantage point. Because often we'll read it from um, a an intellectual vantage point, from an intellectual posture. We'll read it in a way where, um, you know, we're... Um, you know, we'll read it to just understand what it says, but not to be transformed by it. And as I had mentioned to you yesterday, God is not an idea to know. He's not just a, you know, set of laws and rules that we ought to follow. God is a person who we get to know and to be in relationship with. And so that's why we do this. That's why we engage in this. And this is why we are coming together to read the word of God. And so I encourage you as you spend this time that you prayerfully go through three questions. Okay. And these are the three questions that we want to prayerfully consider. The three questions that we want to consider is God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? We're not here to just hear what, um, um, you know, Isaac has to say about the word today, but God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question is, is God, what are you revealing concerning people? That's the second question. And the third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? And that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to reflect and just see where the Lord leads. So I'm going to be just as surprised as you are as far as what God wants to do today. So we'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that you brought us together. We thank you that, Lord, you've given us your word. Lord, your word that reveals your character, your word that reveals your heart, your word that reveals your will. And so today we come to read your word and we come to discover who you are in your word, to learn more about you. So, Father, I pray that you reveal yourself to us. Lead us, guide us. We pray for wisdom. We pray for understanding. We pray for insight. We pray for revelation. We pray for clarity. Um, in your word, bless us today, especially as we read um, Psalm 119, because this Psalm is the Psalm about your word. And so maybe that's what you want us to see today. Maybe that's what you want us to, to hear today, to know about today, to know about who you are in your word and how your word is important to you. And if your word is important to you, then God, your word must be important to us. And so here we are coming together. And so bless us in this time. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do it, fam. Let's read Psalm 119. And it says this. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways, who have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. 
Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed. When I look into all your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. Bet. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all your riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 17. Deal, ba deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove me from reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me. But your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove me from the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments. You shall enlarge my heart. Verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not covetousness. Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Mm. Verse 41, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. I take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. So shall I keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings, and I will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also, I will lift up your commandments, which I love. 
and I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 49. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. It is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. The proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I remembered your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Indignation has taken hold of me because of the wicked who forsake the law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. This has become mine because I kept your precepts. 57. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I will keep your words. I entreat your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I am, I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. Verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, and now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than a thousand coins of gold and silver. Verse 73. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. I know, O oh Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word to your servants. Let your turn to mercies come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood. But I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me. Those who you know, your, sorry, those who know your testimonies. Let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. Verse 81. My soul faints for your salvation but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The proud have dug pits for me, which is not according to your law. All your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help me. They almost made an end of me on earth. 
that I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness, that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances for all are your servants. Unless your law has been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life. Mm. I am yours. Save me. For I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. I've seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I restrain my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than the honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Mm. Goodness gracious. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your, your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I pray, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. Your testimony have taken heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Hmm. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. Verse 113. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Hmm. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your word that I may live and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Hold me up and I shall be safe and I shall observe your statutes continually. You reject all those who stray from your statutes for their deceit is falsehood. You put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Mm. 121. I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good. Mm. 
Do not let the proud oppress me. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. Psalm 129. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and painted. For I longed for your commandments. Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps in your word. And let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant. Teach me your statutes. Hmm. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. <laughs> One thirty-seven. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and very faithful. My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is truth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delight. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. 145. I cry out with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I cry out to you, save me, and I will keep your testimonies. I rise before the dawning of the morning and I cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. O Lord, revive me according to your justice. Wow. They draw near who follow those after wickedness. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and your commandments are truth concerning your testimonies. I have known of old that you have founded them forever. Verse 153. Consider, whoops, consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. Sorry about that. Are we good? 
Um, thank you, Va, <laughs> for making sure, uh, for checking in on me. All right. Let's go with verse 156. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and I am disgusted because they do not keep your law. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entirety of your word is truth. Every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. 161. Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your judgment, because of your righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation. And I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies for all my ways are before you. Hmm. 169. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips utter praise for you. Teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Let your hand become my help, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live. And I shall praise you and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. The word of God. The word of God. Um. By now, if you've, uh, if you've been reading with us in the read and rant over the past, you know, a few months, some of you have been OGs, you've been with me for a big chunk of um, the year, last year. And some of you came in the November that we started just at the end of, uh, of 2019. We read through the entire New Testament and then we read through the entire Old Testament, or we're reading right now through the entire Old Testament. And you know we've been sitting in Psalms for uh, for a while, for a good minute. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting even reading this because the whole purpose for what we do here is to bring the word 
forward. I started the reading rant with this one purpose. I started the reading rant simply to encourage people to read the word for themselves. That was why I started this. Sorry, guys. And and so when I read Psalm 119, it speaks into the vision for the read and rant. Psalm 119 is, it's, it's, you can call it the vision statement for the read and rant. The manifesto for the read and rant is to put the word of God forward. Um, Psalm, nine, Psalm 119 is a celebration of the word of God. But more specifically, it's a celebration of the law and how the children of Israel perceived the law. Um, if you notice in Psalm 119, and I'll come back to that in a minute, but if you notice in Psalm 119 that it's broken into these sections, like you see the last section that we read was Tau. And the section before was Shin and Resh and Kof or Chof. Can't do it. I'm really bad at it. Um, the first section is Aleph. The second section is Bet. I don't know if you noticed this, but this is what we call, and if you want to, you can write this down. I know this isn't a Bible study, but I might as well just throw it out there for y'all. This is the alphabet psalm. Psalm 119 is considered the alphabet song. Fun fact, the word alphabet comes from the first two Hebrew letters, Aleph and Bet. Aleph being the first letter, Bet being the second letter, Aleph, Bet, Alphabet. That's where we get the word alphabet from. Um, but we see Aleph, Bet, and then it continues with Gimel and the, the, the 22 letters in the Hebrew language. And notice that this entire psalm is broken up into the 22 letters in the Hebrew language. And you'll notice that, and this is just the beauty, uh, and this is the beauty of those, the psalm, because the psalm is, is, is really a, a piece of art. It is a work of art. That it's 22 <clears throat> sections, all represented by the 22 Hebrew letters, and each section has eight verses. So there's a uh, symmetry to the, to the book, which of course makes us go, okay, well, the author, was this all planned? Was this all strategized? How, how did this happen? You know, how was it put together? There are many, you know, theologians have many debates about the authorship of Psalm 119. Um, some believe it was David. Some believe that it was written during um, during the time when they were in exile, around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. You guys read this already, right? We, we've been reading the story of the Hebrew people up to this point. Um, and so while there is a lot of debate about it, one thing that we can at least conclude is that this is a compilation of short poems and short statements, each one really expressing something about the word. Isn't it funny that and this, this is the artistry of Psalm 119, that Psalm 119 is using the letters of the word to describe and articulate the word 
and if we just don't have enough time, and if there was a, a Hebrew um, theologian or Hebrew practitioner here, they would tell you of all the symmetries that are in even the letters and how they're being described, that the word is literally testifying to itself in this chapter. It's a beautiful book. Um, and it happens to be the longest book in the Bible. But this was all constructed in a way. This is all constructed in a way to bring centrality to the last section of the book of Psalms. When we talked about the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms is, is a mixtape. It's a compilation. And so we have the first section and then the second section, the first book, the second book, the third book, the fourth book. And now we're in this fifth book. And in this fifth book, we see that we're coming to an anticipation there's all this lamenting that has happened in regards to what has happened as far as the history of the children of Israel is concerned and their disobedience um, and the consequences of their disobedience to God and, dis and disobedience to his law and his precepts. But then now we're getting to this last book and what we see in this last book, um, this last section, is it's closing out with this anticipation that even though We've been messing this thing up. And even though we're going through all this pain and brokenness and suffering, and even though we are in exile, there's a hope in that God is not done with us yet. You get a sense from the Hebrew people. As, you, as we're closing out the book of Psalms, notice now it's becoming this cohesive story. And yet this fifth compilation is one of celebratory tone. And you get this sense in this fifth part of Psalms that God isn't done yet. God is making things new. We've been messing this up up to this point, but God has not written us out. Yesterday, we talked about this, that, well, we didn't talk about it in specificity, but we read about it at least, is the salvation that comes from the Lord is not for your name, that the salvation that comes from the Lord is for his name's sake. There are people, and, and I, stay with me for a second, fam. There are people who ask the question, God, why would you save a wretched person like me? Why would you use me? Why would you even have me in mind only to forget that he created you in his image according to his likeness? Not only did he create you in his image according to his likeness, he put his name on you. And because he put his name on you, God saves you, not simply for you. He saves you for his name's sake. There's a confidence that we can have knowing that God put his name on us because when God puts his name on you, God can never be done with you. When God puts his name on you, God's going to work out his promise through you. God will continually work and work and work and work and work and work 
in you to accomplish his mission and his plan because, again, God put his name on you. There's a sense from the children of Israel that the reason why God is giving them salvation is because of the grace of being called his children. God chose them. They were the chosen people of Israel. They, sorry, they were the chosen people of God, the children of Israel, all coming from the promise of Abraham, from Abraham to Isaac, then to Israel, then continuing on from David to Solomon, again, through the tribe of Judah and the nation of Judah. And even though we're scattered, even though we've been messing this up, there is always hope. There's always hope. And so now we get to this last section in the book of Psalms and you get this sense in their diction and in their language that God's not done. He ain't done with us. It doesn't look good right now because the reality is, is we messed this up. <laughs> like, just think about that for a moment. Like, like they, they're coming to that understanding. They're coming to that awareness. We're here because of what we've done. You know, there's something beautiful um, about the dimensions of repentance. And I say that because often when people think of repentance, they just think of, okay, I'm just here to feel sorry for what I did. I'm here to feel bad about what I did. And then, you know, I just, you know, because that's what God, no, God doesn't want you to feel sorry for what you did. He wants you to repent from what you're doing. Can I say that one more time? God doesn't want you to feel sorry for what you did. He wants you to repent from what you're doing. Feeling sorry doesn't mean you've repented. Feeling bad about what you're doing doesn't mean that you've repented from what you're doing. He wants you to turn away from what you are doing, not feel bad about what you did. And what gives us the confidence to repent is to know that God has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. See, I just did that. I brought Ephesians back for a second. I brought Ephesians back for a second. And because God has his name on us, that gives us the confidence to turn away. Why does all this matter? Where am I going with all this? Because the children of Israel, while they find themselves in a state of exile, find themselves broken, find themselves with no land, no home, no place, nothing. Some of them are in Babylon. Others are in Assyria. Some are in, uh, who knows, North Africa. Some are in Ethiopia. Some are, they're scattered all about the world. They don't have a home. They don't have land. They're disenfranchised. We read the book of Esther and we see what is happening there. Disenfranchised. These are people who are literally illegal immigrants everywhere they are. These people are literally without papers everywhere they are. The chosen people of God without papers. 
As a matter of fact, a little quick side note. If we can see, are y'all listening to me real quick? If we can see the people of Israel in the Bible as immigrants all around the world with no rights, then we can see our illegal immigrants differently. If we can see through the scriptures how the children of Israel were scattered all around the world with no rights, no papers, no documents, we may look at our illegal immigrants in our countries a little bit differently. If we could see that even Jesus had to run with Mary and Joseph to go to Egypt and to hide there and to see that even Jesus lived the life of an immigrant. Less enfranchised. We would look at our immigrants a little bit differently. Isn't it funny? How we have a way that we perceive humanity not realizing that it's often the broken that God is nearest to. It's often the broken that God is closest to. It's often those who are less enfranchised. They're the ones who resemble Jesus. If we saw Jesus as a refugee, because that's what he was for a large part of his early life, we would treat our illegal immigrants differently. Do we see Jesus? Or do we simply see a person who's sucking all our resources? Do we simply see a person who's taking our jobs? Do we see a person who's messing up the quality of our country? Or do we see Jesus and someone who's been chosen by God? I think once we see Jesus the way that Jesus ought to be seen, we would see the less enfranchised, the broken, differently. But anyway, that's not my point here. Again, I'm ranting, but you guys are just eavesdropping into my thought process. We have philosophies that are not biblical. We have theologies that are not biblical because we impose them on the scripture, not allowing the scripture to in inform and impose our doctrine or our ideology or our philosophy. We impose ideas and notions of individualism, as I mentioned before, when the scriptures speak completely otherwise. And I know some people are saying, oh my gosh, you must be communist. No, I'm biblical. Communism is demonic as well. And it's just as demonic as capitalism. Yeah, I said it, but we're too busy worshiping our ideologies, not realizing that something has to be wrong with it. If people are hurting from it still, it still falls short of the glory of God. If there's still poverty, if there's still brokenness, if the world can't be made right through it, it can only be made better. Then it's still injustice. 
We think of justice as just what's right and wrong. We know what justice looks like. Justice looks like Eden. And so if the world doesn't look like Eden based off of your political philosophy, then it is not justice. Can I say that one more time? What should the world look like? What does it mean to have a just world? It should look like Eden. And if the world doesn't look like Eden, then it is injustice because it falls short of the justice of God. The justice of God being the righteousness of God. So if your capitalistic thinking helps more people, but still presses other people down, guess what? It's still injustice. Not because it is unjust, but because it falls short of the justice of God. And if your communism seeks to just equalize people and seeks to create commonality, but, but presses down on the creativity, the power, the ability, and allows some to push their force and their power over others, then that is still injustice as well. Let's stop forcing the, the, the theologies and the ideologies on the scriptures. We got to own what isn't right. And our way of thinking and creating politics and putting our politics on our Bible is wrong. It's wrong. It's unjust. And I know I'll lose, I'll lose followers. I'll lose friends on this, but you, you gotta, you gotta see that something's wrong. Something is wrong with it. If they, if you go into a city, what a beautiful thing. The city is such a beautiful thing. But when you look at the city and you see all these towers and you see all this wealth and you see all this progress and you say, wow, this is the beacon of human progress. Look at this. Look at what we've created. Look at these towers that we've built. And it does speak into the profound power and ability of humanity. But if that tower is built up there and there's a bunch of people under a bridge right underneath dying of hunger, dealing with pain and strife and suffering, then it is still injustice. If you've got the beautiful people living on the beach, but then you got the people living in tents, then you can say there's beauty in it, but there's brokenness in it. And as long as there's brokenness in it, then it's still not justice. This is not what God intends. We gotta get out of this celebrating the progress of humanity aside from the righteousness of God and aside from the glory of God. I'm sorry, I feel I'm, I'm in full-blown rant mode now. We gotta get past this way of thinking that what's good is what makes us more comfortable you know, individualism and capitalism celebrates wealth, celebrates um, productivity. We call that progress, but we'll do it at the expense of those who are less capable. When God created every man in his image, he didn't create them in his image based off of their ability to work. When God created us in his image, he didn't create us based off of Based off, based off of our intelligence. God didn't create us in his image based off our ability. 
God did not create us in his image based off of our ability to make money, to produce our intelligence, our degrees, our successes. That's not what it means to be made in the image of God. And yet, how often is it that we have made the most gifted, the most talented, the most productive, and we've celebrated them and elevated them? But the ones who are broken, the ones who are sick, the ones who are in need, those, oh, just leave them to the side. They're second-class citizens. They're less valuable. Not realizing the demonic agenda that's behind our individualistic, capitalistic way of thinking. Hmm. Do we love our neighbors as we love ourselves? I'm sorry, that was a side rant. Um, and we all know the brokenness and we all know communism doesn't work either. <laughs> We've seen that. We've seen what that looks like. We've seen what that looks like. How about, here's an idea. Instead of being communist or instead of being capitalist or instead of being Republican, or instead of being Democrat, how about we just be disciples of Jesus? Ooh, I got an idea. Instead of being Republican and instead of being Democrat, Libertarian, whatever, instead of being any of those things, how about we just be disciples of Jesus Christ? Wouldn't that be a crazy idea? How about we just love our neighbors as ourselves? How about we be more about the kingdom of God than we are about our political institutions? How about we live a life of continual sacrifice and service? How about we be the hands and feet of Jesus? Can you imagine if we just became the kingdom of God, the church? where God can do his work through his people and there would be healing and restoration and we would see the establishment of a new heaven and a new earth. Trust me, capitalism ain't going to do it. Communism ain't going to do it. Socialism ain't going to do it. Libertarianism ain't going to do it. Only the kingdom of God will do it. How about we do that? Novel idea. I'm sorry. This is a rant today. This is a rant. This is a full-blown rant today. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Y'all just going to stick with me. You don't even have to stay here, really, to be honest with you. All I want you to do is read. I want you to hear my process and how I read through this. Because now, when I get to Psalm 119, and I'm meditating on Psalm 119, the thing that pops out to me is that these people who are aware that God isn't done with them, that God is still establishing something through them, that it was their deviation from the law of God that led them away and caused them to be in the state that they're in. We get to Psalm 119 now because there's a sense of God is bringing restoration. God is restoring us. We're still awaiting for the establishing of his kingdom. God's not done with us yet. God is still calling us to this thing. God still wants to do a work in us. We can repent from our old ways. No, we 
we, we, there's still more in store. God still has a plan. And now we get to this last book and then this awaiting and this anticipating of this messianic kingdom, there's this break and it's in Psalm 119. And in Psalm 119 now, watch this. We see now that they bring awareness to the people about what was lost and what now must be found. And they bring now these meditations, these, these excerpts, these eight verse snippets, 22 words, eight verses, eight verse snippets, highlighting the beauty of the word of God highlighting the power of the word of God, highlighting the grace and the blessing and the excellence, the excellency of the word of God and how the law was meant for all this time, was meant to shape them and to mold them into being the people who would be the kingdom. And now they're going back to this. If we argue that it is David, then it may be David. But notice how it begins early on in the text where it says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of God. We would be blessed if we had just done this to walk in his law. Watch this now in the next letter. He speaks about how a young man can cleanse his way. And he says, by taking heed according to the word of God. If they would just live according to the word, then they would experience the blessing of God and to see the righteousness of God through them and to see God bring his justice and order through them. In verse 11, it says, your word have I hidden in my heart. I love that, that I may not sin against you. That's the principle and the idea that when the word is not just in our mind, but that the word is in our heart, it transforms our lives that we may not sin. Did y'all catch what I just said? When he says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. He's saying, if you get the word out of your mind and you go from here to here, the word now doesn't just become something you know, but it becomes a way that you live. And when it becomes a way that you live, it gives you the power to overcome whatever desire that is distant or that errs from the will of God. The word isn't meant to be here. The word is meant to be here. The word must be hidden in your heart. And so now he's speaking of this word, that this word must be hidden. Watch this. It's all going to come together for a second. I can't go through this whole chapter, obviously. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Um, so I can't go through all of it. But notice what he's saying here. He's saying, by having your word, your word will shape how I live. Your word will shape and guide me. Your word will lead me. This is what... This is what's being taught to the children of Israel. We didn't follow his word. And because we didn't follow his word, it didn't guide us. It didn't lead us. We were being led by, by theologies and 
other philosophies and other ideologies. Um, we, we weren't guided by the word of God. We were guided by culture. We were guided by society. We were guided by the Canaanites. We were guided by the uh, Ethiopians. We were guided by the, 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 um, um, the West Asians, we were guided by other people in the world, the Europeans, but we were not being guided by the word of God. And yet God gave us his word to make us distinct, to separate us so that we would be the people who would be the righteousness of God on earth, who would be the justice of God on earth. There's no distinction here, guys. The word righteousness in the Bible is the same word as the word justice in the Bible. You cannot separate righteousness from justice. You cannot separate justice from righteousness. Therefore, if God is righteous, then God cares about justice because justice is the very heart and the very character of God. There cannot be a kingdom without a government. There cannot be a government without a law. And the law is that which forms and shapes what is righteous and what defines righteousness. And, and if it defines righteousness, then it defines the character of God. So therefore, to know righteousness is to know God. To know righteousness is to know the character of God. Stay with me, family, because now as they read this, he's saying, Keep me in your word, because if I know your word, then I will know you. Watch this now. The word is not just something to follow and to do. The law wasn't meant to follow and to do as people often teach you and tell you. The word was meant for you to know the heart, the character, the will of God. Put my focus now. Notice in verse 17, I'm sorry, verse 37, he says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Bring me to recollection, bring me to life, bring me to awareness to who you want me to be. And this is not just for the person who's writing this. This is for the people who are singing this. They're singing this song because up to this point, we haven't been the people who God wanted us to be, which is why we find ourselves in this predicament. But if God isn't done with us yet, then God can still revive us. And so he says in verse 57, you are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I'm coming back to the word now. Then he says, the earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Verse 64 Teach me your statutes. Verse 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Then he says, it is good that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. How many people actually testify to that? Testify in verse 71 to say, it's actually good that this happened to me. Oh man, it's going to get tough now. How many people can testify to that and say, it's actually good that I went through this. It's actually good that my life fell apart. It was actually good. It was good for me that I went through the pain that I went through. Is anybody with that testimony say it was good for me because I learned who God was. It was good for me because I learned how I ought to be and ought to live. It was good for me, for me to go through it because I wouldn't be the person that I am today if it had not been for what I went through. What you're going through isn't meant to destroy you. What you're going through is meant to shape you. What you're going through isn't meant to end you. What you're going through is meant to be your beginning. 
And he's saying here, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. This is where we learn from God is when we start veering away from him. And all of a sudden, God brings us back. He doesn't bring us back in punishment. He brings us back by his grace that we may learn who he is and his character. And he says, my soul in verse 91, sorry, 81, my soul faints for your salvation, but my hope is in your word. I love that because while we have hope in his word, our salvation is in him. Our salvation is actually not in his word. The hope of discovering where salvation is can be found in his word. But our salvation is actually not in the word, right? We, we read this already. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them, you believe that you will find salvation. Jesus even told them your salvation is not going to be in the word, in the scriptures. Salvation is only in God. And yet you can discover God in his word. And so he gives them the law in 93. I will never forget your precepts for by them. You have given me life. <sighs> and then in this section, and I'm going to close with this. You through your commandments have made me wiser than my enemies. Verse 98, for they are ever with me. This is where I'm going to close. If you give me like five more minutes, because I know I'm over time. I, I went on a little rant, but that's what you guys expect. So S stay with this for today. In 97, when he starts this particular snippet of Psalm 119, he says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. Then he says, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. There's anything you leave with. Anything you leave with today. The law that was intended to shape the children of Israel that they veered away from, that got them in the predicament that they're in. That law was never intended to save them. That law was made to shape them and to give them wisdom about who they are to be as a people on the earth. There are many people who, when they read the word of God, they're searching for knowing the word to be saved. Salvation is not in your knowing of the word. Salvation is in your knowing of God. Paul says that salvation is to know God. It was pretty straightforward. However, the word still has a place. Because if the word exposes the righteousness of God, stay with me, fan, because this is so important. If the word exposes the righteousness of God, the law of God, the order by which the universe is created, the order by which things work, the cause and effect and how things are intricately put together. If the word exposes this character of God, 
that knowing the word gives you the wisdom into how to navigate through the laws that God has established. We look for the word for salvation, but there's no salvation in it, only in God. However, the word exposes the character of God, the heart of God, and the wisdom of God. So many people are seeking wisdom about how to navigate through this world, not realizing that the commandments is what makes us wiser. The word is what gives us wisdom. People have always asked me and said, you know, pastor, you know, you, you just, you, you, you're just gifted with so much wisdom. And I'm like, um, I don't see myself as any wiser than anyone, any smarter than anyone. The difference between me and a lot of people is just that I spend more time in his word. And the difference between me and people is that when I don't understand his word, I still keep reading it, even if I don't understand it. You want to know why? Because the wisdom is not in the word. The wisdom is in Christ. It's God that makes us wise. He gives us wisdom by his spirit. We get to access that by simply reading his word. So many of us, we get discouraged when we read the word because we go, oh, this is so complicated. I need somebody to teach me. I'm just going to stop reading, not realizing just sitting and reading his word makes you wise, gives you wisdom. Even if you don't understand it, oh, here, I got to go. I know I have to go. I, I, I want you to steep yourself in these words that I'm about to say. Just read it. But pastor, I don't get it. Just read it. But I, I need somebody to explain. What does this word mean? What is it? Just read it. That will come. Those teaching, all that, that will come. But you can spend your days reading Psalm 119 and not understanding anything you just read. It's God is still giving you wisdom. The reading of the word of God is spiritual transmission. I can't say this enough, guys. The most important thing. This is why I say Psalm 119 is it is the vision statement for our reading rants. If there's anything I can do to believers, for believers, it's to simply say, just read it. Yeah, on Sunday, Bible studies, we'll sit down, we'll break down stuff, we'll, we'll talk in more detail stuff. Just read it. Just read it. Just read it. Because in verse one, verse 98, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Notice, he didn't say, I'm sorry, I'm ranting. Oh my gosh, I'm over time. Like five more minutes. He didn't say, I have more knowledge than all my teachers. He said, I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. Read it.
Wisdom is not intelligence. Wisdom is understanding. Wisdom is just the knowing of what to do, when to do it. And up to this point, the children of Israel did not have wisdom, but if they just stayed in his word, they would have the wisdom and they would know. David, who sinned multiple times, David, who made mistakes over and over again, yet David was given wisdom. And he speaks so much about how much he's in his word, how much he loves his word. Love his word. Seriously, fam, not for salvation. Love his word because it reveals to you more about God. Father, I just ask today, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to just read your word, but just to read it. Even if we don't understand it, just give us the wisdom to do that. Father, guide us in your truth. Even as we read, Father, let us not be led astray by false doctrines, false ideologies, but allow us to just be led by you. Reveal yourself by your spirit, even as we read the word. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you, in your word, give us milk and you also give us meat. I thank you, Lord, that even through every verse, there's milk and there is meat. That you give provision and sustenance to each and every one of us in every stage of our faith. And so I pray that you'd bless everyone here in every stage of their faith. Lord, that you give milk to those who need milk. Give meat to those who need milk meat and give milk to those who think they need meat but need milk (laughs) and I just pray Lord that you just continue to allow us to develop and grow in you and I ask that in Jesus name amen guys I love y'all be sure to text me so that way you get updates if next week especially next week next week's gonna be a little weird because next week I have um, I'll be out of town. And so be sure to text me. So if I'm not going on, you'll know that I'm not going on. Cause I know sometimes people are like, is he on? Is he not? I'm going to make more of an effort, especially through text to inform you guys, to let you know if I'm not on that day. Okay. Um, so that way you guys, you know, you guys are apprised. Um, and the text is 954-231-1848. So just text me 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. If you're looking to support in any way, um, right now I'm praying for patrons. That's my prayer. Um, I'm praying for patrons. And if you want to know how to become a patron, just click the link in the profile. Click the link in the bio. Um, You'll see there at the top it says become a patron. Um, It is an opportunity for you guys to partner with us in what we're doing. And of course, I post the read and rants right away, like the audio for them on Patreon, but it's just a bonus. And uh, and I'll be hosting Bible studies as well. I got a Bible study tonight that I'll be hosting. So that'll be great. So we'll be hosting live Bible studies as well. And so we're doing a Bible study on the church tonight. And uh, I know the last Bible study really shook some people because what you thought the church was, the Bible doesn't tell us that's what it is. And so we're we're decomposing all the things that people believe makes a church a church and showing you how the Bible doesn't say it is. A, a church is not a Sunday service. A church is not a Sunday sermon. A church is not a building. A church is not any of those things. And so today we're going to be digging a little bit deeper and going into why is it that we uh, have the perceptions that we have about what the church is. And we'll learn a little bit about that today. And so I want to encourage you to come join us for Bible study. It will be tonight at 8, um, at 8 p.m. 
I'll be posting the link on Patreon soon. I'm going to be sending it up. So at 8 p.m. tonight. And so I look forward to journeying with you guys. So, yes, thank you to all the patrons who support. God bless you guys. Love you guys very much. Um, just click the link in the bio. It's Patreon. Okay. My P.O. Box. It's P.O. Box 4321, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33338. P.O. Box 4321, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33338. Um, but yeah, and you can also, if you're looking just to support to give, the link is in the profile as well. You'll see all the information on how to connect, how to support. Also, join my mailing list. Join my email list. It's also in that link. Okay, it's all in that link. Join my email list. Text me to stay connected. And also, if you're looking to support in any way, uh, prayerfully consider becoming a patron. Um, and I got some exciting news to share very, very soon. So I'm excited about that as well. Um, I got some exciting news to share. But um, it is your support that's made what we do here possible. So I, I'm grateful for all my patrons, grateful for all of you. Um, but yeah, so anyway, got to go, got to run way over time. Love y'all. See you guys tomorrow. God bless you guys.